Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. So today we're going to talk about premature ovarian insufficiency, POI. If you go to the internet, you'll find things about POI. Now, it doesn't affect many women, but lots of women are worried that their egg numbers are declining and that they won't be able to get pregnant, and that's the reason they're not getting pregnant. This has become increasingly the case uh, where women are learning about something called ovarian reserve, and that's because we have a couple of tests which are reasonably sensitive in telling you how many eggs you've got left in the ovary. So there's ultrasound where they look at something called the antral follicles, which are the follicles before they grow into eggs. And if you've got good numbers of antral follicles, you can be relaxed. If they're low, then we have a problem. The other test is a blood test, and that's called anti-malarian hormone. And that's that hormone is made by the antral follicles. If you have low numbers of antral follicles, you produce low amounts of AMH and therefore it's a sign that the number of eggs left in the ovary are declining. Now those levels of ultrasound and of the AMH level can also give false positive results. In other words, I've certainly had many women get a good number of eggs despite low levels of those two measurements. But they are an indicator. So I recently had a 31-year-old lady who over the last four months has had irregular periods and we measured her AMH level and it was low, it was less than one. And when we did the antral follicle count, it was also low. What to do in that situation? Well, most specialists would advise to get on and go down the IVF track very quickly to try and harvest as many eggs as possible so that we can fertilise them and even if we don't put the embryos back at that point, we've got them in storage on the prediction that menopause is going to be relatively soon. So for her, when we also did the pituitary hormones, there was evidence that she already was in the perimenopausal period. She wasn't totally menopausal, but she was getting very close. So from a fertility perspective, she's got significant issues of having a baby with her own eggs. When we stimulated her, even with maximum doses of FSH injections, we did not get an ovarian response. So what eggs or were there were not responsive and we had to cancel the cycle. And that happened twice. At that point, we really only have one option for her to carry a baby and that will be egg donation. They'll need to find a donor, either friend, relative or overseas and the eggs would be fertilised with her partner's sperm the embryo itself will then be put back in her uterus and she can carry the pregnancy quite normally and satisfactorily. And I've certainly had many pregnancies now in women with premature ovarian insufficiency who found egg donors and have had babies. 
going back a step, the question is why do some women have premature ovarian insufficiency? So we do do investigations, but in the majority we find no obvious cause. When a woman has her complement of eggs laid down in the ovary when she's inside her mother's womb, there obviously are some women who get blessed with less eggs, less primordial follicles. And so from birth on, the numbers of follicles decline. If you start with the normal 2 to 3 million, you'll keep going, ovulating and still having eggs until you're about 50. If, however, God has only given you 100,000 eggs to start with, then you may well run out of eggs in your early 30s, or sometimes even earlier. Now, there are some genetic contributors to that that we know of. There's a syndrome called Turner's syndrome, where a woman's got an, only got an X and an O chromosome rather than an XX, and we know that they very often have premature ovarian failure even before puberty. But some of them get through that and do get to their early 20s before the ovaries run out of eggs. So we test for that. Then there is a specific chromosome abnormality called Fragile X. What happens there is that bits of the chromosome get repeated and the more repeats you have of that particular X, you then end up with ovarian failure because you didn't start out with a good number of eggs and it would seem that they die off quicker. So we go looking for that. But that really doesn't help us. I mean, it's good to know why, but it doesn't actually help us fix the problem. So these days, if you are a woman in your reproductive age and you've done an AMH test, which suggests that it's relatively low, looking for those genetic abnormalities is important because it will indicate that things are going to move rapidly towards the menopause and you need to move quickly to preserve your fertility. That doesn't necessarily mean having a baby there and then, but it certainly means harvesting the eggs, creating an embryo, or freezing the eggs for future use. I've certainly had one set of sisters who had the genetic abnormality, and but one was already menopausal at 31, and the other one was still having periods at 34. The older sister, we stimulated her, and we've frozen her eggs with the original goal of giving some of them to her sister. At some point in the future, we'll probably use those eggs, but it is an option. So the cure, in terms of having a baby with premature ovarian insufficiency, is getting in early, before all the eggs have gone, or secondly, egg donation. It is very distressing to go through menopause early, because for many women, their plan of life did not include having babies until their mid-30s and to realise at 28 or 30 that you've run out of eggs is very distressing. But once you accept that egg donation is an option, it is a good way forward. The issue about egg donation, however, is finding a donor. In Australia we don't pay donors so we don't have people coming forward to offer donation. It's incredibly rare to have an altruistic donor. In other countries, they do pay donors and there are eggs available. Obviously, at the moment, with coronavirus, travel is not possible, so we do have an issue around access to 
those places where you used to be able to go to get eggs. I personally send patients to South Africa, to Spain, to Hawaii as the sites where I've had the success with such patients. But if you have or worry about ovarian insufficiency, not all specialists are trained to deal with the situation because it's a relatively rare event. Find a fertility specialist who understands it and can help you. If you have any questions in relation to this, please feel free to contact me. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.